I'm Karen. And I'm Lauren. And this is the Downstage Left podcast where we talk a little, laugh a lot, know nothing. We know nothing. All right. So today we are going to do a thing where we do a little bit of a historic deep dive. Yeah. Not necessarily... Maybe not historic. Historic's not right. It's not the right. I mean, it is in history, but it's recent history. <laughs> Where it's like not now. It's not present or future. So I mean, yeah. the strictest definition of the past <laughs> uh, of history. So I today bring you a show that I think is slightly well known. Like it, it definitely got some good press and had a really like surprising run on Broadway. Yeah. Uh, and did some of those things. But to me, is still a very niche show. Yeah. I and, mean, I've heard of it, but I don't. Okay. So. I don't know it. Without further ado, uh, I'm going to talk about Xanadu. Great. I didn't mean to do two do's. No, I, I laughed at it because I was like, it's haha, fine. doo-doo, great. I did it great. Cool. Um, <laughs> Making poop jokes. Yep. Everybody tuning in, good. That's our level. So uh, Xanadu is what ran on Broadway. Uh, and let me just <laughs> let me just bring it up here. Uh, 2007, it began previews. Opened July of 2007. Sorry, previews in May. Uh, and then ran 513 performances and concluded in September 2008. So it ran for about a year, um, a little little less than. But I don't know why in my brain I thought a little it more lasted than. longer than that. I also 513 performances doesn't seem enough for running from July 2007 to September 2008. Um, I'd have to look at it. But I mean, if we talk about like the last episode we did with Jerry Springer, that was like roughly 600. three years. And it was like 600. Oh, you're right. So. So, Xanadu ran in the Helen Hayes Theater, and it's based off of a movie of the same title from the 80s, starring Gene Kelly and Olivia Newton-John. Love it. So, a little background on that, which, that film, it's a 1980 film, uh, and according to Wikipedia, our source for everything, the (laughs) 1980 film on which Xanadu is based barely broke even at the box office and received uniformly unfavorable reviews. However, the soundtrack was a commercial hit. So they basically took it. Oh, a film was nominated for six Razzies, but it did become a, one of those things where it was so bad it was good. Became a cult classic. Yep. Also, Gene Kelly, who... Can't go wrong. Known for yep. musicals, but apparently in the 80s, he was obviously on a little bit of the older side, maybe not making his best choices. <laughs> Olivia Newton-John, a star also very associated with musicals a huge one in particular obviously with Grease so it's kind of an interesting thing what's interesting to know about this is it is based off of Greek mythology there's a lot of Greek mythological things in the show Okay. and it is a jukebox musical based on electric light orchestra ELO music I did know that yeah they're bangers it's all good it is good music but what I've heard is excellent I my only real like the things I think about in my brain when you say Xanadu, I think about Carrie Butler, mm-hmm. who was amazing. Yep. I think about roller skates, mm-hmm. and I'm, that's about it. Those are the things, uh, if I had to describe the show, that is what I would say is Carrie Butler roller skates, and then that would be it. Well, Cheyenne Jackson also, but yes. No, but mostly Carrie Butler roller skates. <laughs> uh, so, okay, great. speaking of Cheyenne Jackson... Cheyenne Jackson was not originally cast. Like, he didn't do workshops and stuff. It was originally James Carpinello. Oh. Broke his leg during the workshop rehearsals leading up to the opening. On a roller skate? Uh, yes. He injured it during uh, his foot during roller skating. And that was it. Because, obviously, what are you going to do? You've got to roller skate around the whole movie. You can't do that on a broken foot. Yes, so, what a burn to him. The show would then go on to obviously incorporate Cheyenne Jackson, and if you are a non-theater person listening, Cheyenne Jackson 
is a dreamy looking dude sure who is. has gone on to he's now part of like Ryan Murphy's American Horror Story on anthologies and obviously doing other stuff as well but I think maybe that's like has been his big thing recently yeah he he's really good on that show too yeah I think. Um, but also has the voice of an angel, so it's great. He, he was on Glee for, like, a couple oh, episodes, right. too. Because, yep. like, they were just pulling Broadway people, like, here's Indeed. some Easter eggs, everybody. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and what's interesting is, uh, if you, everybody Google James Carbonell, but he and Cheyenne Jackson look very different, so it would have been a very interesting show, I think, with, because uh, now, I've seen the bootleg a million times, uh, and any clip online, I can only picture it as Cheyenne Jackson. I can't imagine it being somebody else. Same thing with Carrie Butler, because I think later on Patty Murin replaced her or, or took some shows over, So, or maybe was in the in the workshop. So, um, ooh, actually in the workshop, uh, Jane Krasinski. Jane Krakowski. Krakowski, oh. Yeah, sorry, I got very excited. Uh, I love her. Today has been a real hard time for me with names. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, it's kind of an interesting evolution that happened, but, you know, eventually landed out with Carrie Butler and Cheyenne Jackson in the lead roles. But then the other thing that I kind of love uh, is that the other two sort of main uh, muses that are kind of the, they're the, you know, they're definitely the foil and they, they're kind of, not the villains, there's no villain in the show, but is classic Broadway actor uh, actresses Mary Testa and Jackie Hoffman. Oh. And together as a duo, oh. they're very, very funny. I bet. Yes, because they're just like veterans of the stage but have a similar sort of that dry sense of humor and, and all these things. So I'm going to read you, uh, we're going to read the synopsis real quick. I'm just going to read it off of old Wikipedia because it's just easier. Wikipedia, the... The font of all wealth and knowledge. It's true. Yeah. Um, what did we... We just had to know things before Wikipedia. And now we don't have to know anything. We can look it up. So uh, the synopsis, uh, it's 1980 and chalk artist, Sonny Malone, chalk which artist. think about that was a thing. Like in the 80s in California, especially like Venice Beach area, like you could do whole things. And I think that still exists now in like Disney. But I like, was just going to say, like, I've yeah. definitely seen some like pictures of people on, at Disney. Like Sure. Um, Mary Poppins. It exists, I feel like, in a real cool way, but this would be a thing where, like, this was his job. So, uh, a a chalk artist named Sonny Malone is dissatisfied with his sidewalk mural of the Greek muses, daughters of Zeus, and determines to kill himself. So, real uplifting start to the show. Uh, On Mount Mount Olympus, Clio, the youngest, perkiest muse, convinces her six sisters who are played by co-ed like it's men and women so i think traditionally in greek theater in greek mythology muses are women but this is played by gender varying roles love that uh she convinces her six sisters to travel to venice beach rising out of the sidewalk mural so they the mural comes to life to inspire sunny uh zeus's rules require that muses must always be disguised as mortals and so clio has the idea to wear roller skates leg warmers and sport an australian accent and the other muses agree so that's a nod to the original <laughs> that's just where, Olivia Newton-John. correct yeah. who is in fact australian so indeed uh clio changes changes her name to something contemporary kira mm-hmm. quickly inspired sunny decides that he can combine all the arts and something athletic all into one spectacular entertainment a roller disco. <laughs> Very 80s, frankly. It's so um, 80s. Exactly, because when you think of, like, arts and entertainment, roller disco. Yep. Meanwhile, Sonny finds a good location for the roller disco, a long-abandoned theater in the Fairfax, Fairfax District of Los Angeles called Xanadu. Hey. Okay. 
Kira inspires him to locate the owner of the phone, uh, locate the owner in the phone book, and they set up a meeting with real estate mogul Danny McGuire, who used to be a big band clarinetist before he started in the real estate clarinetist, game. Clarinetist, my people. There you go. Yeah. Uh, in the movie, this is who Gene Kelly played. Got it. Okay. The older kind of retired guy, but now doing real estate. Okay, perfect. Sonny visits a hard-hearted Danny in his posh office in downtown Los Angeles and tries to convince him to donate the theater for the roller disco because it would bring the arts to the Fairfax district and drive up real estate values. But Danny scoffs, even though he had plans to open the theater himself once upon a time. As Sonny leaves, Kira arrives, jogging Danny's memories of an old love and dance partner of his who looks suspiciously like Kira named Kitty. Kitty tells Danny that although he had let his greed stop him from pursuing his dream to open the theater 35 years ago, he has a chance to redeem himself now by opening the roller disco with Sonny. Danny finds Sonny and tells him that he can get the disco up and running in one day. If he can get the disco up and running in one day, he'll give him 25% of the take from the disco. Excited, Sonny readily agrees. So, essentially... Danny used to have big dreams, just like Sonny, but because they didn't work out, he became hardened and terrible. But a muse, which I think it's implied here that it it was Kira, even way back then, Mm -hmm. reminds him that he can do these things and inspires him again. So, got it. uh, Sonny finds Kira and tells her the good news. She is not impressed with the deal that he has cut. It is then that the evil sisters work their curse, and the winged Eros, along with Mama Cupid, shoots Kira and Sonny with the arrows of love. Mama Cupid, that's so good. <laughs> Correct. Kira is soon overwhelmed with guilt over her loving feelings and of having created her own art, a hand-drawn picture, alongside Sonny, both violations of Zeus's restrictions on the muses. So, muses are only allowed to inspire. They're not allowed to create their own art. Got They're it. also not allowed to fall in love with mortals. Therefore, she's broken two cardinal muse rule rules. That's right. Yeah. Uh, also, I really just imagined like this because she's never drawn anything before, like a stick figure. Just no, like, that is what it go. is in the show. She literally holds the pencil like a child, and like you can tell she it's like crazy. So That's it adorable. is one hundred percent that. Oh, it's very sweet, though, because Sonny's like, I love it. He's like, because he's a little bit in love with her. So yeah. with the help of the muses, Kira and Sonny fix up the old theater, and Danny agrees to go ahead with the opening. Clio realizes that she is falling in love with Sonny and tells him that she must leave. But the evil sisters are not finished. The evil sisters are Mary Testa and Jackie Hoffman. Uh, now they offer Danny piles of money if he will tear down the theater and build condos. Danny can't resist and tells Sonny the deal is off. Kira comes back to tell Sonny that she loves him, but the evil sisters tell her that she has broken Zeus's rules and that she must tell Sonny the truth. So Kira reveals all to Sonny, including that her name is Clio, but he does not believe her and gets upset. He suggests that she is a crackpot. Dude, sounds like a man. I'm just saying. I like that this Wikipedia person has used the word crackpot. That's not a direct I don't, quote from the show? I do not believe it is. Okay, so right. uh, he also doubts that she really loves him and she is and she gets angry and hurt. The evil sisters have triumphed, and Kira sets off for Mount Olympus to receive her punishment from Zeus. Uh, in the show, the way they do that is she gets on a, a wooden Pegasus. Great. Or, like, a set-piece Pegasus, and they fly her into the air. It's great. I love it. Of course. Meanwhile, Sandy... Sorry, sorry. Who? Meanwhile... No, nah, I tried to combine two words. Good. Meanwhile, Sunny and Danny discuss Kira, after, and after seeing her in the sky, it all makes sense. Danny tells Sonny not to let go of his muse because Wait, of cool. Yep. <laughs> they're they're like, I got her up there. Everything checks out. I have yeah. been a fool. Okay, yes. I understand. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, Danny tells Sonny not to let go of his muse because of foolish pride as he once back did back in the 40s. 
Sunny, realizing that he really loves Kira, decides to find her, even if it means climbing to Mount Olympus. Uh, and in a great quest. gag in the show, they have him come up through the stage. In, in the stage becomes Mount Olympus, and he enters oh, and via like, ladder. Here I come. He veers under the stage via ladder, so you think you're in Mount Olympus. That's cute. Back on Mount Olympus, Zeus's wives ask him to take pity on Clio. Thetis retells the story of Achilles and his vulnerable heel. All the demigods and demigoddesses are so aff- uh, afflicted. This gives Clio an epiphany. She, too, is invulnerable except for her heels. But when the evil sisters and have had her shot with the arrows of love, she had been wearing the mighty leg warmers. And so she must have been completely invulnerable. Yes. This means that she really did love Sunny. Kira then declares her love for Sunny and rips off her leg warmers and attempts to fly away with Pegasus and Sunny before Zeus pulls them down with copper chains. Sonny brashly declares that he would even fight Zeus for the woman he loves. Zeus, impressed with his pluck, decides to pardon Clio. The two evil sisters are displeased, the lovers are reunited, and Zeus reveals what Xanadu is. True love and the ability to create and share art. Clio and Sonny go back to LA and Xanadu. Well, damn. Here's the thing. I will say, in the way that the 80s movie is not great, no offense, don't come for me, Olivia Newton-John, and the estate of Gene Kelly. We know she listens, so... Great. Sorry, They Olivia. do such a smart... This show is so fun, and they do it in such a smart way where they are very aware of the, the terribleness of yeah. this source material, and there's winks and nods everywhere. That's so good. So there's, there's a great line where uh, they talk about the arts in the 80s, and, you know, everyone kind of, like, comes for the 80s a little bit, I feel like, yep. and they're like... Well, surely this will be an epiphany and a great time for artists and no terrible things will be made. (laughs) Right? So uh, it's kind of that kind of thing. And then they do have cast doubling where, um, you know, the two evil muse sisters are then, uh, I think, I'm trying to remember who they play, but, you know, when they're in Mount Olympus and there's a great thing where one of them comes back on as one of the muses is like, stop, you have to punish her. And she gives a little pause and goes, and my sister would agree with me as well if it were not for cast doubling because she's already on stage as somebody else. That's awesome. So, uh, and in general, the the uh, staging of it, they have a section of audience members on stage. So they're basically ramps and stuff that come down because they are on roller skates. So right. the cast kind of enters. But there's a great where they sing, kind of where they're sitting with the cast at one point, and they get up and Mary Tessa does this great thing where she's singing and just pulls a man to her bosom and like <laughs> musses his hair while she sings and it's very funny so like i said all very tongue-in-cheek yeah uh and i think very you know aware uh douglas carter bean who did the did the book also did sister act he uh rewrote uh the new cinderella like he's just got a good, good sense stuff. of humor about him and so they it's just not serious but i will say the music is yellow great and if you're not familiar with Yellow, Evil Woman, uh, Magic, yeah. All Over the World, Don't Walk Away, uh, Have You Never Been Mellow? Just some, like, excellent classic 80s Absolutely. Tunes. The best is they sing Have You Never Been Mellow to Zeus because he's too uptight and trying to punish all the people. He has no chill. He has no chill. Strange Magic. Oh, so good. Uh, so this is one of those things you and I have talked about before where when I approach musicals and especially like for my own listening enjoyment or if I want to see a show or if I want to do it, music first. I love the soundtrack's great. And it's arranged in such a fun way yeah. where they do a really, really good job of all those types of things and kind of weaving this story together. And I think... That's where, to me, the staging of it, she is, I mean, 
props to Carrie Butler and whoever takes over that role and does it. She is on roller. The only time she's not on roller skates is truly in the beginning when she is Clio. And then at Kira, for the almost the whole rest of the show, she's on roller skates. Does she ever take them off? She like after she's been in them. No, I okay. don't think she does because even when she's on Mount Olympus, I think she maybe has one on and she like does a little like limp putt thing. But but that's um, hard though because if you think about like what I mean, being on roller skates the entire whatever it is is difficult but if you ever think about taking them off and like walking it's a little weird yep you know like it's a little strange to walk for a minute well and here's the thing this is what's interesting to me from a like production standpoint i think about how there's random crap on stages all the time like not anything maybe big but like a little piece of nonsense like just whatever costume falls off correct yeah imagine like if you think about how wheels work and especially wheels on a roller skate if you hit anything, it will stop that wheel and you will die. You're down. Yep. You fall off the stage. Great. Yes. Yeah. So what's interesting, though, uh, I watched some interviews and stuff, and Carrie Butler has actually talked about um, there's she's got some real big ramp up like notes, like belty, belty notes. And she said it's easier, like it's weird to do those notes when she's not skating because she kind of like skates down a ramp into that big note. That's And fun. to stand there, it's like, it's just a weird different sensation than when you're like physically moving and it's easier to do it when she's like sailing down a ramp. I mean, the breathing has got to be different too. Like, yeah. I actually listened to an interview with the gentleman that originated the role of Lord Farquaad in okay. Shrek the Musical. Oh, on his knees the entire time. The whole time. Yep. Christopher somebody uh, Siebel? Yep. Great. Uh, yeah. Get in touch. Um, and he, when he was doing the cast recording, had to like reposition everything so that he was kneeling because the breathing was so different. And he, he could was do like, it. I, this is weird now. Yep. Yeah. Which I think is bananas. Uh, I kind of love that where the, yeah, I, I picture him in the booth and they're just like, okay, Chris, you ready to get going? Yeah. He's and like, he's like, no. <laughs> I'm gonna. No, need... he's like trying it. He's like yeah. things are looking up. I don't know, and that's how. Well, I, where it's I just different. Where people are like, man, these doesn't sound the same. Yeah. What happened to him? He used to be so good. Got and they're like, I gotta get on my knees. Yeah. Um. So Xanadu ran, and it was one of those sneaky things where it was kind of a big hit. Um. In a way that uh, it went on tour. It actually got really pretty decent reviews. Uh, mostly positive. There is a cast recording. Um. And it was nominated for Tony Awards and Drama Desk Awards. And it actually won uh, Douglas Carter being won for Outstanding Book of a Musical Drama Desk. Dang. So it, it ended up being one of those little hits that they did not think it was going to do well. And it ended up... And the show itself is a 90-minute show, no intermission. Mm-hmm. So it is truly, you are in there and immersed and people are, you know, if you get the... I would never want the onstage seats, but no. uh, no. kind of an interesting of thing to be on stage and be with them. Yeah. So I think, you know, like I said, it's... It, to me, it's one of those, honestly, very, very fun shows that if I thought we could afford the insurance, I would maybe do. Yeah. But I, I someone would break their leg. So, Definitely. you know, I can't. It's I not a thing for me. I love, and I, it's this may be like an unpopular opinion, but I love a good 90 minute no intermission. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, it's come from away was the same way. Loved it. I love, I mean, I'm not like the biggest fan of Drowsy Chaperone, but the fact that it doesn't have an intermission mm-hmm. is an appeal for sure. Uh, I think more shows should be written like that. Just like get some pacing down, get in and out. I don't have to wait in line for a bathroom. Excellent. Well, and honestly, this show is paced so well that it flows into it where it's a static set. I mean, you know, you got the people on stage, you got the like the ramps and stuff. And then 
it just it flows very well and to your point 90 minutes for a musical in the olden days that was the first act mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That kills me all the time. Old uh, there the are golden, lots of golden, golden age, age musicals shows, yep. that still have stupid ninety act, and then it'll be like ninety minutes act one, and then like 45. ten minutes yeah. <laughs> or something, and you're like, what? We've wrapped this up incredibly quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to think that when years ago we did sound of music, and it was the same thing where it was like an hour and fifteen hour, twenty minute oh, first act. Yeah, and you're just like, yeah, I guess a lot of stuff happens in that first act. Yeah. All right, and then she has to go. Uh, spoilers. Uh, so. Yeah, this is one of those shows where they did a they did a first U.S. tour, uh, and then the second tour got canceled, um, unfortunately for ticket oh soft ticket sales in certain markets, so it wasn't making the money. But uh, like I said, and to me, this is one of my favorite Carrie Butler shows. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with Carrie Butler, she originated Penny in Hairspray. Yes. Uh, I mean, she's done it. Here's the thing: she's done a ton of stuff. Most recently, she was the mom in Mean Girls. Uh, and Mrs. Norberry, and also uh, Barbara in Beetlejuice. So, yeah, she uh, an awesome career. She did the revival of um, Little Shop too. Yeah, which she is, like, was my favorite thing. I think absolutely. Um, in which, fun fact about that: so a revival, but technically a Broadway debut because previously when it was done, it was only ever off Broadway. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so technically, technically it's just the original. Sure, with Hunter Foster. So That's great. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's Hunter Foster. Uh, I will yep. say, like I. I love her as Audrey, too, because mm-hmm. Audrey can be so annoying. Mm-hmm. And she was not. Agree. Like, she played it very sympathetic, but without being like, Ugh. Yep. Which is some... Like whiny. For all you folks out there doing little shop in your high schools, colleges, or wherever. Community. Yeah. Don't don't be annoying. Uh, I've seen some really annoying Audrey. Of course. Um, <laughs> I love trying to think. Show. She, you know, she's just one of those sort of um, consummate... Broadway actresses that I think just does such a good job in all her stuff and um, I, if we're doing a little Carrie Butler deep dive uh, my favorite thing that she did uh, years and years ago is Bat Boy oh I don't know much about that but I no. have heard some of the music done Bat Boy. which is crazy well next time put it on the so list. it will be on my list uh, I'll just do the Carrie Butler catalog great just run through them yep, yep. Did Bat Boy also have um, sorry this is all weird like Norbert Leo Butts right Am I thinking the right thing or no? No. Nope. I don't believe so. Okay, well, but I will find out in a in a future episode. <laughs> uh, boy, do dive. I do not believe so. But anyway, it's Xanadu is one of those fun fun shows and one of those soundtracks too to me that you can put on and just listen to and it's all fun music. So uh, I love it too because the band is on stage and they get nods to love you know it. little nods to them once in a while, which I always kind of love. As a band member, yeah. I love being on stage. Yeah. Also, like it, it works logistically. Like if sometimes I need to be conducting and cueing people. If it's like a jukebox musical, yeah, it's then it's usually like pretty easy to sing along. There's not a lot of cueing or like vamping that well, needs to happen. And like, also, music is pretty well known. Where it, the conducting part of it, I think, is a little less because uh, I felt this way about Greece, where people actually I felt this way about Greece, and I for sure know it was true for Sound of Music. But people are just so familiar with the songs and the tempos and how they go. There's far less carrying and heavy lifting to do because people are like, uh, I could play this song in my sleep. I know mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. uh, musician-wise. So, uh, but it's a fun time, like, because it's a little rock and roll and, you know, kind of stuff on stage. But I definitely think, like I said, it's just a fun show that I I was sad that it closed before, like, I could see it in person. But it definitely lives on in 
uh, it definitely lives on in bootleg. Not that I am encouraging a bootleg, but by the way, get with it. Start recording that stuff professionally and then sell it. People will buy it That's instead true. of people watching bootlegs. Right. Uh, but I think it's like one of those fun shows where I just imagine, like, I think about our rehearsal process sometimes and I think about, like, what did that look like for roller skates? Where you're just like, <laughs> okay, so we're not even going to sing, but we are going to block today. Put, get your skates on. Put your roller skates on. <laughs> let's give it a shot. Like, and then the one kid forgets their skates. Naturally. Of course. Well, or like the thing too of, uh, like normally rehearsal space is not. It's gonna be like similar to your final performance space, but it's not gonna be like, you know, you might be like, well, that platform over there is you'll be up higher or whatever. Like here's stairs to get to it, but it's not like an exact replica a lot of times. And I just imagine like. As you're rehearsing, you're getting used to skating around. You're like, okay, that's where the audience box will be. So skate around that. And then you get into it and they're like, okay, well, now this is a ramp. And like being yeah. like, oh, a ramp. Okay. Like, and just having to learn. I feel like in a normal show, in a normal musical, you're learning, you're blocking dialogue, etc. You're learning music yep. that you have to sing. The trick of it is emoting during all of that and then you maybe are learning choreography and then try not to fall down on skates well i just feel like to add in so you're learning choreography and that's like a normal thing but then to be like well now you need to learn how to do an arabesque on roller skates or you need i mean we need you to do these things is like just such a higher level of like oh okay sure i definitely want this role and i'm not gonna say no but okie dokie here here it is and actually uh Sarah Bagas did when she did Little Mermaid. She thinks one of the reasons because Little Mermaid they were on Heelys, like all the mermaids were on Heelys, which I just have so many issues with. But well, that's a Disney show, but it's fine. But she was a figure skater, so she actually thinks that part of her, like getting that role, probably very talented and like perfect for the role, but like probably gave her a little bit of a leg up on other people where she could be like, well, I roller skate. I don't know, sorry, I ice skated. Uh, you know, I figure skated for my entirety of my childhood. Go ahead, put me on, like, a rolly cert. That's fine. Yeah. So, Balance. Yeah. But uh, definitely, and when you, again, not encouraging people to watch bootlegs because they do take away from all the time and money that are spent on people working very hard, but should you happen to see it, um, it's pretty seamless. Like, they all do pretty well on skates, and it's an, an interesting kind of thing where... You're just like, wow, what a what a process to not only be like, I got to sing and I got to make sure I'm emoting and hold on, I got to slide down this ramp, mm-hmm. hope hope there's no debris on stage that my skate gets caught on, fingers crossed everybody, and then to do that eight times a week. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. I wonder if, uh, because maybe this is just a thing specific to me, but if I am on like, you know when you're like on a boat for yeah. too long? And then, you, like, you're oh, yeah. off the boat. And, yeah. You, like, feel you a little You have your rocky. sea legs and, yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if that's a thing that, that you feel when, when, when they go to the walk, shop. they're just like, can't. Yeah. 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 Or, like, you're asleep and you still feel like you're, like, rolling around. Like, I wonder if that's, like, a... That's, like, a stupid thing that I just thought of. Well, <laughs> I, to your point, I mean, it's a thing, too, of, like, do you just keep them on even more so? Because you're like, I want to make sure I feel so comfortable in them that I'm not going to die when I, like, skate on stage or... Like, I don't want to skate off the front of the stage right. into the audience. I don't know. I it's it, That's why, conceptually, it's so interesting to me. And historically, I believe maybe one of two roller skating shows. The other, of course, being Andrew Lloyd Webber's Starlight Express. Yeah, that's. I was, like, trying to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I that's a Like, there, point. to me, is probably a reason why there's not a lot of shows with, like, wheels and stuff yeah because it's probably an insurance nightmare and also oh, I'm sure. like hard. james carbonell broke his leg right well 
Okay, so my my friend owns a theater company on the other side of town, um, and they did The Wiz mm-hmm. before I met any of them. And he decided, I promise there's a tie-in, he decided that he wanted to do flying monkeys on roller skates. I'm trying to think, are they like that? No, in the movie they're not that way. I don't remember, I don't know. There, there was a gentleman in the cast that was like, I am excellent on roller skates. Sure. I can do flips. What a flex. I can do... And it really was a flex. I can do all of these things. Amazing. And then they put him on skates and he was useless. He li- <laughs> oh, so he lied. It was a big old lie. Oh, it was what a it's choice. just the best story that they tell because it's like, remember that one time this dude, I don't want to say names, but like yeah. this dude yeah, don't say names. Was said he was awesome and then was just Don't say names, but you know who you are. If you're listening, you know. What a weird flex, though, because surely it's going to come to fruition. So, like, to say, like, yeah, I can do all these things, if if it's already going to happen, and then you say that, you're going to get found out very quickly. I wonder if it was, like... Like, he at one point had been able to, and then, Ooh. like, use it or lose it, you know? Sure. And then didn't, and then was like, oh, I realized that all these skills that I have cultivated are, gone. are have disappeared. I don't know ro- roller skating enough to know, is it like riding a bike? It just, I would assume it probably doesn't come back to you in a way where you're like, well, when I was 20, I could do flips and stuff. Now I'm 42, <laughs> I'm sure I can still do it, because I could do it. I really think it was more like when I was 10, and now oh. I'm, you know, almost 30 or something. You know what there I mean? Like, I think it was something like that. But even still, like... But also, maybe just... Uh, hey, this is a great life lesson to everybody listening, which hot is... Uh, hedge your bets a little. Mm-hmm. Don't come in so hot. No. Even if you could do that, maybe to yourself be like, I could do all those things. Test it out quietly alone where no one can see you. And then if it's true, boom, come in and be like, by the way, check this out. But if it doesn't happen, be like, well, nobody needs to know. Good thing I didn't brag about my awesome rollerblading skills. Uh, what a, but also, what an interesting production choice. I didn't see it. I wasn't there. So I can't, I don't have an opinion. I'm sure it was great. Who doesn't love a flying monkey on roller skates? I think that's fine. Conceptually, it sounds kind of cool. Uh, Where they're zipping around. Yeah, but I also like safety. They were in a high school theater. Here's the thing. I feel like if I'm going to do a roller skate show, Mm. I want to do it on the ground, you know? So there's no falling off the stage. Outside I mean, or something. I well, I think, I mean, to me, you do it and it's fine on stage, but it has to be like a custom built stage where you're like, we know exactly, like, even if they get to this point, it's cool because physics tells us their skates will stop going, even if they're going a hundred miles. You know what I mean? Where it's all built in very specifically. Like there's a tilt or something. Yeah. Specific- yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. Like I said, the Xanadu, I think, did a really good job with it and just had so many good tongue in cheek moments where... Even in the very closing number, uh, Carrie Butler, like, comes to the front of the stage and sings, and they've got a fan on her, so her hair is, like, blowing, which I think happens in the original movie. So, just, like, if you're gonna do something based on some nonsense, have a good sense of humor about it. I I think that's, like, such the key, and I think that's why this show did so well, is because they were self-aware. They weren't, like, we're about to create a Tony Award-winning drama uh, based on the arts and the importance of the arts and following your dreams, they were like, we're about to do a super fun show that's going to be nonsense, 90 minutes of nonsense, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to be very funny. Well, and I feel like that approach is so smart. Yeah. Because, like, there have been so many musicals that have come up in the last decade or so that were, are have source material outside, yeah. like a film or something, uh, and they try and just, like, recreate it exactly the way it is. 
and that and it has been not successful, right? Yeah, Spider Man. Uh, well, that show had many yeah terrible many terrible things. I Groundhog Day, like Ghost. What the hell are we doing? You know what I mean? And yeah. I've not seen all these. I've just heard some of the music and hate it. And I just think okay. that <laughs> sorry about it. Come at me, internet. I. I I just think that this approach is so much smarter where you'd yep. be like, we are aware of, of the faults of the past yep. and we're going to address them and correct them in a way that just makes more sense. Well, and Olivia Newton-John came to see the show. They obviously invited her because of course that's what you're going to do. And she loved it. She yeah. thought it was very funny and a great send up of like her film. And again, I, I just think, you know, to your point, you kind of see, and I think Broadway right now is, a little bit of mix of both, right? It's a little mix of uh, we're basing stuff off of movies or popular culture and things like that. We've got original stuff. We're bringing back revivals. And that's always kind of what Broadway has been. It's always been a little bit of an amalgam of all those things. Yeah. But I think y- you got to do it right. And I think this this show does it. And uh, come at me. Like, we can debate it. But truly watch it and don't... If you watch it and you don't get some laughs out of it and some giggles and whatnot then i don't know you might we that's a deeper dive for you to do maybe but and we can't be friends i think well i mean (laughs) we can be friends but like at a distance uh no 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 i it's it's definitely like i said it's it's just a fun show to me and i don't there are certain shows that you want to have like emotions from where you know you're you're like you really feel something at the end uh and it takes you on that journey but like also Shows are meant to be fun, and they're meant to just sometimes be lighthearted, and I think this show captures that really, really well uh, in a way of, like, it's just a good, lighthearted show where there's there's not sort of, you know, even shows, I love Waitress, and it is a show that you leave feeling so, so good. Like, it's, it leaves you on such a positive, up, happy note, but there's also, like, very, and it's a very funny show, but there's, like, very serious uh, yeah. content throughout it that is integral to the show, and... I mean, if you don't cry during Waitress, like, check out your crying parts because it is, you <laughs> Please know, have your tear ducts Yeah, I, you know, it's yeah. just one of those shows that emotionally gives you a little punch like that. But not every show can be that and not every show should be that because yeah. then when you are going to the theater, boy, is that, like, a rough time for you, I feel like. But it is, I think, I think the diversity in content and material is, is important. Yeah, I think theater does a great job of that. Like I said, I... This, to me, is one of those shows, like, is it going to win? Are you going to, like, show it to people and they're going to be like, well, I have a life-changing thing. Like, here we go. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know your life. But I do think it's a very funny show in that it just is a light... It's just lighthearted. And to me, right now, I maybe I'm hearkening back to shows like this a little bit more because, like, the world is this crazy place that for the last year has been ups and downs but a lot of downs and so you know if you're looking for something to kind of lift your spirits and just like a a funny night it's 90 minutes a funny 90 minute time i suggest it so i would say in our rating system in a roller skate zero wheels is don't bother Mm -hmm. and five wheels is too many but get you there faster uh i would say for sure this is like a four or a five wheel show for me where it's just fun and it's very funny and you know the it's also very much my sense of humor which is calling things out and that self-awareness kind of feel to it so i would give it i would say four and a half skate uh four and a half wheels uh and let yourself like you know when you have four and a half i'm assuming you're kind of going in a circle but 
It's fine. Uh, I would continue that. <laughs> I don't know how wheels work. I guess you're at that point. You have like a ruler blade. No, on. no, no. I feel like if you have four and a half wheels, you got your normal four wheels, and then the the foot stop thing. That's your half wheel. Okay, because great. it's a half a wheel. So then it well, stops. Well, and to be fair, we're not advocating four and a half wheels on a roller skate. You'll die. So please do not. Don't do that. But yeah, no. It's super fun show and definitely something that I would recommend if you're sitting around and looking for something or you just want to pop on a soundtrack. It's great and. Yeah. Definitely a, a fun time, uh, not hugely thought provoking, but um, also just a it nice nod. That, yeah. Well, and a nice nod to how important the arts are. So you know, which is always good. That's good messaging good. in general. Yeah. I would also probably say four four wheels, like a solid four. I before we had this conversation. I had, I, again, I knew yeah. Carrie Butler and roller skates. Roller skates, yeah. And, like, roller skates to me was not, like, a super big appeal because, like, wasn't a well, I don't point. care. Yep. Um, so I would not have had four wheels before this mm-hmm. conversation. But now having one, hearing your passion for it is Thank very you. kind. Uh, is, uh, that's a selling point because I know your opinion is, uh, I value it. <laughs> Thank you. I, sometimes good, sometimes not. It's a hit or miss, but Well, yeah, yeah but, I mean, I, I think that you have well thought through opinions about most things so you don't just like oh really nilly so much. create th- opinions based on like a thing you see like a clickbait article tricked you <laughs> <laughs> i read that. wikipedia that's it um so, so yeah i mean like you know i love a good one no intermission that's a big selling point for sure. me two i like some some humor yeah um, it is and also if you are i was just gonna say if you have a if you are a child of the 80s or have any sort of 80s references, like, they make a ton. And so that is also very funny. I don't know. The youth might not appreciate it because... Listen, the youth appreciate Cobra Kai, which is full of that I'm going to tell you, uh, I just so. got told by some youth the other day that the 80s were, like, classic music now, like, classic rock. And I was like, well, no, classic rock is, like, 70s. Yes. And they were like, no, no, 80s are, like, oldies. And I was like, well, oldies are, like, 50s and 60s. And they were Goodness. like, no, no, no. So I don't know where this falls anymore. I'm just an old lady like in this show, but I think that, you know, it's like I said, it it's a it's a good time and you kinda can't go wrong with the eighties stuff. Like it is just kind of a caricature of its own decade now, but very funny in in that it was like such a silly time. It was a silly time. Where you could be a chalk artist on Venice Beach and mm-hmm. that would be your living. And you would wear magic, what are they, magic uh, leg warmers? Uh, the mighty leg warmers. <laughs> mighty leg <laughs> That's warmers. That's so much better. That is better. The uh, mighty, the leg, mighty warm- leg warmers. Dude, I yeah. have like three pairs of leg warmers at home. I They're now all called mighty leg warmers. So. Great. I own none because that is on brand for both of us. All right. Yep. So anyway, uh, check out Xanadu if you would like to. It's a good time and... I think uh, I think that's it. All right, All right thanks, man. Yeah, go put your mighty leg warmers on. <laughs>